Let's look at um, Matthew 27, 30, Matthew 22, 22, verses 37 through 38. Uh, This is Jesus speaking. He said to him, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. Let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit, any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation. If you prompt me with it, I want to be obedient to speak to it. And Lord, you look at all of us in this room, but you see me differently. I'm a teacher of your word. I'm your preacher. And upon me is a greater judgment, a more strict judgment than anybody here. And I know that, and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. So in the name of Jesus, I pray his name that I preach. Amen. You can be seated. It's good to see you guys. We're in a sermon series called Reset, and the Reset is uh, a wrapped around experiencing God, knowing and doing the will of God, written by Henry Blackaby. And many of you have uh, ordered books and workbooks and all kinds of things for you to be able to use, and I'm grateful to you for that. I, I pray you're being blessed by that. If you are doing it, I know you're blessed by it. It's a tremendous study and a great study. Uh, one of the first realities that we dealt with is uh, in, in experiencing God, there are seven different realities uh, in experiencing God. We've already dealt with one of them. And the first reality is that God is always at work around you. God is always at work around you. Uh, notice that Jesus says about the Father, the Father is always at work. The second reality, the one we're going to deal with today, is that God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal, very personal, very intimate. And we're going to be working with this second reality today. Since our anniversary at the end of August until now, I've just been telling you stories. There are a lot of people who are new to our church. They don't know a lot about our past. And I I wanted you to see God's work in telling those stories. I wanted you to see his faithfulness, his invitation to us, and our response, your response as well. I wanted you to be able to see that. But today we're going to grow into how he loves us and how he shows us his love toward us and then how we love him back, how that happens. So uh, you've, you've looked at Matthew 22, 37, and 38. That's called the Shema. Uh, and we'll get a little detailed on the Shema here in just a moment. But Jesus is using uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5 in the Old Testament. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Uh, the Shema was very important to these people of this day. They, uh, they did this as a pattern to remember. They used the Shema, this right here, as a pattern to be able to remember. <clears throat> you know the old, uh, you want to remember something, tie a string on your finger, right? Uh, uh, our home, especially when our kids were little, uh, was a home of post-it notes just about everywhere. I'm at a point now that I have to, I, I have to set it at the top of the steps to remember to carry it to my car, you know. Um, and that happens. Uh, but it is, a, it is a beautiful pattern of remembering. And so I want to talk about the Shema here listed and then how Jesus uses it in the New Testament that I just gave you in Matthew 22. 
Uh, it's called the Shema because the very first word in verse 4 is listen. The Hebrew word for Shema or listen is Shema. It's listen, but it, 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 it's hearing. But it, it has the pattern of listening means to obey. I'm not only listening for the sake of listening, I'm listening to know what my next step is. I'm, I'm obeying. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hear so that I am able to obey. These people use the Shema as a daily confession in their prayer. It would be like me and you using our Lord's Prayer daily. Um, twice daily they would say the Shema in the morning and in the evening and then some practices used it during the midday. Not only two times a day but three times a day. Again, I want you to see the pattern of remembering. Uh, it's their foundational confession, like our John 3.16. All Sabbath, every Sabbath worship included the proclamation of the, of the Shema, a declaration of it. It's taught to boys uh, as soon as they're able to speak. And you can see that in verse 7 in Deuteronomy 6. If you were to read down a couple more verses, you'll be able to see the instruction to the children as soon as little boys were able to speak, they were taught the Shema. It was a, a confession. If you were martyred for your faith, if you died for your faith, they would confess the Shema before their death. And if they died on their deathbed and they were able to talk, they would recite the Shema before they died on their deathbed confession. So here's the pattern of remembering. Morning and evening, they did the Shema, sometimes during the noonday. Uh, when they started living as a young child, they recited the Shema. And when they died, if they were able to speak and, and be coherent, upon their death, they would do the Shema. They would say it. So morning and evening, beginning of life and the end of life, they are taught the name of God over and over. Why? Because we have the capacity to forget. You're going to see as you get older and you live in the scriptures how often God says, do not forsake me, which means do not forget me. We live in a busy, busy world. I, I thought COVID would slow us down. I think some of you are uh, hyperspeed. Uh, I think it's infinity and beyond. Uh, you all are, I think we're getting busier than we ever have in our life. I think any mention of shutting us down a little bit, or not governmental, I don't mean it that way, but slowing down, it's just like, nah, I'm going to go a little faster. And for some of you who are trying to live simply, I stand here and applaud you. I applaud you today because it, it happens. How many of you this week have... Uh, tried to introduce or talk to somebody and you have forgotten their name Amen. yeah Amen. I mean we only I, I read this about you school teachers how many are school teachers in here or you are it said a school teacher has makes 1500 decisions in one day and they they said no wonder school teachers are tired and worn out and drained at the at the end of the day about 1500 decisions uh, our, our life gets so busy, it gets so busy that it, what comes next is the tendency to be able to forget. And with the Shema here, it's a pattern. They used it as a pattern for people to be able to remember. And here's what they wanted to remember. They wanted to remember that he alone is God and that there is no one 
like him. Uh, just this week, I said to a man, I, uh, I, uh, he was telling me situations in his life, and I said, listen, go off and count your blessings. And I don't mean sing the song, okay? I mean, I said literally, go off, be quiet, be with the Lord, and count your blessings. And then I followed up and asked him if he did that. And he said, yeah. And he said, thanks for reminding me to be able to do that. Uh, we, we need a pattern of remembrance. Uh, we're going to be taking communion here today. And it's given to the church as a pattern of remembrance. To remember what the Lord has done for us. All that he has done for us. Now, if you've been really sharp in reading the scriptures today, uh, we're here in Deuteronomy four and five, six, four and five. And notice the last line. It says, your soul and with all your strength, right? But let's go to Matthew 22. Jesus does a little bit of a conversion here. And don't go freaking out about that. He can because he is the word, right? I mean, he's the spoken word of creation. He's the living word. He's the written word, right? He said to him, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. So don't, don't let that bend you out of shape because both verses are saying you're to love the Lord with everything that you have. Everything you have. And the, back to the Shema in Deuteronomy, it is the, it's the summary of the Old Testament of uh, this is what we're trying to do. To love the, love the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. So this is about us loving him. It's a reminder that we love him and a reminder of all that he has done. It, it's our response to this reality. God pursues a, a, a continuing love relationship with you that is real and very personal. And uh, uh, I, wanna, I wanted you to see the Shema because it's a pattern of remembering but I'm going to give you a series of verses. There's about four verses here that I want to give you about him loving us. And I want to try to explain this uh, in a very simple way like I pray before I preach. Jeremiah 31.3, the prophet Jeremiah, said the, the Lord had appeared to him far away. And he says to Jeremiah, I have loved you with an everlasting love. When we... Um, we did new member training, was 12 and 13 weeks long, and thank God it's, it's, been, it's been whittled down to two days. I don't, I don't even know, I can't believe you all went 12 and 13 weeks at the beginning of Hope Church with new member training, but you did. And we had a section in new member training that had to do with why are you here? Why are you even here? And the response to that question was God made you to love you. I want you to stop. That, that always got me. As many times as I taught that class, that part became very personal. And I want you to listen to me. God has you here today so that he can demonstrate a love for people through you and for other people to be able to see how much he loves you so they can understand how much he loves them. That's why you're here. God made you to love you. And he has a love story that he wants to tell in and through your life. He has a love story to be able to do that. 
I love you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued to extend faithful love to you. It's an everlasting love. John 3.16, and don't throw that out. I've heard that all my life. Uh, remember the Shema was used morning and evening, taught when they're a little kid, even to their deathbed, uh, over and over and over again. And we see this, and you're going, oh man, get to another verse. I want you to see the love in this verse. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only sons that, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. I want you to see that kind of a love. Uh, I'm going to do something very childish with you. Many of us experienced this as kids. I know I did uh, growing up in the church. But instead of saying, for God loved the world, take the two words of the world out and insert your name. I know that's a childish gesture to you, but do it. For God so loved Jeff. For God so loved you. This is this pursuing love relationship that he has with us. Look at Romans 5, 8 through 10. But God proves his own love for us. Again, we're showing his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 9. Much more then, since we have been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved through, through him from wrath. And we're going to talk about that wrath in just a moment. And verse 10. For if while we were enemies, and I want to stop there. I want to stop and I want us to rest on the word enemy for just a moment. Do you understand that we're born into a rebellion, a nature to rebel because of the sin of Adam and Eve and the sin of the fall in the garden, that we're, we're born into that. Re rebelling is not hard for us to do. And here's the love of God. This one gets me too. The love of God is so deep that he takes his enemies and adopts them as his sons and his daughters. That's the spirit of adoption in the book of Romans. That we are his enemies. We, we are his enemies. But then he adopts us into his family as his sons and daughters. What love does that? Uh, I'm, I'm in rebellion against him and yet through his incredible grace and faith in him, we are able to be saved with the resurrection power that's given to us. And look what happens. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? It's, it's, it's a beautiful love passage for us. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. It says, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is about his love for us. Now, you're hanging up on the word propitiation, and you should. You, you don't use that in your common everyday grammar and language. And let's explain that for just a moment. If you study history at all, you know that there are people groups throughout history that believed in pagan gods. And let's say it wasn't raining, and they needed rain on their crops. Well, they, they would pick some, somebody or something to sacrifice so that they could appease the rain gods and make it rain. 
Here's the problem with that. They did the choosing on who they were going to do the offering for. In other words, they picked who was going to be the sacrifice. I want you to see the love of God in this passage. And I want you to see the love of God in his action. We did not pick who was going to be our sacrifice to appease the wrath of God for our sin. He chose it. Our sin was so deep and so wretched. And sin has to be paid. That's been a sermon or two ago. Either you're going to let the Lord pay it or you're going to pay it yourself. But sin will have a payday. And here, we didn't pick the sin offering. He picked the, he picked the sacrifice offering for us. And our sin is so deep and so against him, the, the way to satisfy his wrath that we talked about earlier in that previous verse was that he gave us his very best. He gave us his only son. That is a love that is demonstrated for you and me that has never been demonstrated on this earth ever before or ever again will it ever be. And that is that he chose the offering for us and he chose Jesus for us to take on his wrath. And let me remind you, Jesus knew the wrath of God. I want you to see that. I actually want you to feel that. Jesus knew what God's wrath looked like, and he took it anyway from me and you. Is that not a beautiful love story for all of us and what he has done for us? And even today in communion, we're going to remember the cross. We're going to remember his sacrifice to us. We're going to remember this great display of love that is here. We're going to see every bit of that which equates to our own personal salvation. So in reality number two, not only is, is he got a continuing love pursuit of us, but it's a relationship that is real and personal. And I want to get down to the personal part of it here today. Uh, in that study, Henry Blackaby did highlight our time alone with the Lord. Um, I'm, uh, I was called this weekend, I have a funeral back in a church that I pastored in Russell County in Lake Cumberland area Tuesday. And uh, this lady's name is Doris Brown. And she was 98 years young. And just a jewel to be around. You, you talk about uh, an incredible person. I mean, just an incredible person. Went through a lot of hardships in her life. But man, she, she just walked with a... a a, a faith bounce about her. She, she walked in confidence with the Lord. Um, she was very encouraging to her pastor. She loved not, not just me, but she loved all of her pastors. But for some reason, she's always said, I am to do her funeral. In fact, we were back at a, at a wedding uh, in uh, Russell County, and she grabbed my chin and made sure I was listening. I was looking at her, you know. She, she grabbed my chin and made sure I was focused right on her. And she said, don't forget, you're to preach my funeral. Well, she passed away. Her daughter, Anita, called me and said, you know what you have to do? <laughs> I said, yes, yes, I do. And uh, her funeral is not going to be very difficult to preach. Uh, this woman was just an incredible woman. Now, I'm saying all that to say this. I have never seen Doris Brown's personal time with the Lord. 
I've never seen that, but I'm going to tell you, I know she had it. I know she had it because of her life. And I've been able to see a whole lot of her life. I've been able to see about 30-some years of that 98 years. And I, watching her, the way she handled herself, the way she handled hardship, the way she handled times of celebration and the goodness of God, I, 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 can, I, I didn't see her private time with the Lord. I didn't see her personal intimate time with the Lord. I, but I know she had it by the way she walked in this world. It's incredible. I know it's true. So here in Matthew 6, in your study, they use Matthew 6. I'm not going to read all of Matthew 6 for you. But I'm going to direct you to some places in it and give you an overview. Make a mental note or a note on your phone or something. Try to read Matthew chapter 6 today if you can. Jesus teaches in here about giving and prayer and fasting at first. And this is about you being with the Lord. This is about this, this real and personal relationship with him. That's what I want you to be able to see in Matthew 6. Jesus teaches when you give, not if you give, but when you give. It's not open for display. It's in secret. There's that personal, intimate relationship that's between you and the Lord. And said, the Father who sees in secret will reward you. He says, when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray. It's not open for display. It's in secret. He tells you to go to your closet. We put way too much, way too much emphasis on public prayer. What I find the teaching of the Lord is to be alone with him in prayer. Intimate prayer, personal prayer in your closet. And the Father who sees you in secret will reward you. He teaches on fasting. When you fast, not if you fast. It's not open for display. It's in secret. And the Father who sees in secret will reward you. And then verses 20 and 21. He says, but collect for yourselves treasures in heaven. And do you see treasures in heaven and the Father who sees you in secret will reward you? Do you see how the context of that chapter, that the reward and the treasure in heaven can be paralleled and put together? Do you see that? It says, but collect for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. He gives three earthly ways that earthly treasure can be, can, can be ruined. One is moths can eat it if it's clothing. I, I grew up with a mom who had mothballs everywhere. I had moth, I mean, I'd look at those going, what are these things, you know? Uh, I, I thought they were super balls for a while, you know, that you could just throw them, bounce on the table, and go around the room together. And everything I had smelled like mothballs growing up as a kid. Every drawer had mothballs, even in the closets. Uh, but moss, uh, the earthly treasure, moths can get it. But heavenly treasure, moths will not be able to. Uh, rust can destroy an earthly treasure, but it won't a heavenly treasure. And thieves can steal an earthly treasure, but it won't steal a heavenly treasure. Here's his point, that the treasure is not earthly. It's not earthly. The things of earth will not be able to destroy 
the rewards and the treasure that he has for you. For where your treasure is, there is where your heart is going to be also. Do you see back to the Shema, the pattern of remembering? The pattern of remembering how important it is for me and you to be able to remember. Even this supper that we'll have in a moment is a, is a pattern of remembering. It's an ordinance of the church, but it is it's so you and I will not forget what he has done for us. And don't forget, I've been saying this for 29 years. If he never blesses us again, if he never blesses my life again, him dying on the cross for me and you is, is good enough. Is good enough. So there's treasure, there's reward we've been talking about in Matthew 6. And even in that same contextual chapter, there is treasure. And where your treasure is, there, there your heart is. And there's where our focus is going to be. In Matthew 6, he talks about worry and, and not to worry. Not to worry about uh, you know, what you eat or what you drink. He says, trust me when it comes to that. And then the classic verse out of Matthew 6 is verse 33. We've used this a lot here. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided to you. My, my bride is sitting back there in the back. Uh, but the kingdom, the kingdom is, is a treasure. Jesus says it's an incredible treasure. And many of us could say to, about our spouse, well, my spouse is my treasure. Jesus is my treasure. I've got to seek the kingdom before I seek anything else. I seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. Just the t righteousness really means the tearing down of walls. Just the, the living of that. And all these things will be provided to you. Seek first the kingdom of God is what he says. It's going to remind you that your God is, there's no God like him. Uh, he is God alone. It's, it's going to get you into a pattern of being able to remember. It's a love relationship that is real and personal. So today, I wanted you to see how the Shema and Deuteronomy and uh, Jesus used it in Matthew to remind us to remind us that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, all of our mind. We are to love him. Our focus is there. It's a pattern of remembering. I wanted you to see today how he pursues you in a love relationship, everlasting love. He, God so loves the world, he loves you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he loved us by sending his son to die as the sin offering for all of us. And he knew, he, and Jesus knew the wrath of God. To me, that's important. And then the intimate part of it, being with him, being with him. The result of that is Colossians 3, 4. Colossians 3, 4. When Christ the Messiah, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be, be revealed with him in your glory. And you think I'm, I'm going to go to his return, which I believe in his, his physical sweet return of our Lord. Uh, that's not where I'm going here. I want you to see the insert where it says, who is your life? That's the goal. When Christ, 
who is your life. He's your life. I seek first the kingdom of God. I'm in a pattern. I have a pattern to be able to remember all that he has done for me. And uh, I, I even say this. I even say this uh, in teaching other pastors. The ministry is not my life. I can't make ministry the center of my life. Christ is the center of our lives. Your work, your profession, all that you do is not the center of your life. Christ is the center of your life. Your family is not the center of your life. Christ is the center of your life. That little insert to me is very important. Christ, who is your life. He's not an attachment to my life. He's not a side mission to my life. He is our life. He is our life. And we recognize it in such a way. So as we come to, as we come to the table today, you're invited. Remember we told you we practice open communion here. Uh, I leave that up to you. I'm not going to go around. I don't tell people, you know, somebody on aisle four, seat seven, and you're probably going to count and see who's there. I, don't, I just did that hypothetically. Uh, you know, they can't take communion today. There's an invitation for you to come to the table, and it's for believers. Come and remember. Come and confess. There are, there are people you need to forgive who have intentionally tried to hurt you. You need to forgive them. Who have tried to trip you up, sabotage, forgive them. Just forgive them. We're given forgiveness in the Gospel of Matthew, and he says if we forgive others, then he forgives us. There's people you need to bestow grace upon. Grace is given to you and received, and grace is given to other people and mercy on them. Some of us have doubt and worry. Would you bring that here? And then, and then in confidence, remember his sacrifice today and all that he has done for us. Would you bring your shame and your guilt that just has you hiding? And would you bring it here and let him release you into a beautiful story and testimony of his love for you? Some of you are filled with anger and hate and rage. Coming out of COVID, limitation of this, and conspiracy theory here and there, and you're just angry, you're just mad. Bring, bring, your, bring your hate and your anger and your rage and lay it down and understand how much he loves you. And because of that love, we are called to love other people. Your selfishness, your greed, and your lust, and your envy. Bring it here and, and, and give it to him and realize he's called us to others. He made you to love you so that people would see the love story between you and God and know they can have that love story too. It's Christ who is your life is the result of that. And that's what we want. So you come today and you remember all that he has done for us and you give thanks. Today we take the bread, which represents the body of Christ given to us. All the torture that he went through. We remember the indescribable gift of Jesus that Paul writes about. We take the cup and the drink, which symbolizes his blood being shed. And we know that because of his shed blood, we can have 
we can have forgiveness and freedom in him. So come today and come to the table with confession and come here with confidence of all that God has done through his son Jesus for us. And we will remember him today and we will give thanks for him today. Now you, we're not gonna take this in unison. Uh, you take the bread and the cup, I, I, keep, I stay here in the altar. You do whatever you want to do. You can go back. Tucker and Robert are going to lead us in this time of remembrance. But you take your time. Come get the bread, come get the drink, stay here and take it and remember or go back to your seat and remember. But I wanna remind you, this is not my table. This is his table. If you're a believer, come. I don't, I don't think there's a more perfect ordinance here that shows unity and harmony with the people than this. Let's come. Let's not be better people. Let's let him make us new people. I need a new heart. And I need a new spirit within me. And ask the Lord to deliver that today. He is so willing to do that. Church, would you stand? Will you do that? Let me pray over you. Father, I pray over our people today. I pray over us remembering you, a pattern of remembering all that you have done. And Lord, if you never do anything else for us, ever another blessing on this earth, you dying for us is enough. And we want to say thanks. And we remember you, and we remember you with incredible confidence as to what you have done for us throughout all of eternity. And we say thank you. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Church. You come.